before his special people. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I was about to tell this uh, tap to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. Okay. Last week we spoke about holiness. Can you still remember? Amen. We'll continue this morning in, a, in another dimension and um, I trust God to to really help us to open our eyes of understanding that we may see, that we may see him like we have not before. This morning, we'll be looking at what I have titled, I am a priest. Can you tell your neighbor, I am a priest? Tell your neighbor again, I am a priest. By the way, is your neighbor smiling to you at all? First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. The book of First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 tells us that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a what? A holy nation, his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Passion Translation puts it this way. But you are God's chosen treasure. Amen. Do you believe you are? I cannot hear you. Say to yourself, I am God's treasure. You see, when the purpose of something is not known, abuse is, is certain. So, if you are not sure who you are, people can call you anything, and you will accept it. A lot of people have been called about with different names, and if that is the fundamentals or the foundation of their problem, because they have lost their identity, but, but me, I have not. And I believe you have not lost your identity too. Uh, should you have forgotten, let me remind you, but you are God's chosen treasure. In other words, out of many treasures, there is still a chosen treasure. Deliberately picked and picked. In fact, you can put it this way. I'm God's unpicked treasure. I hope there is a version or a translation that has that. Priest, who are kings? Priest. Who are kings? A spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you will broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. You are a priest that 
is also a king. The Bible says that where the words of the king is, there is power. Okay? You are not ordinary. Just follow me closely. I'm starting a bit very slow, but I hope to, to be energized. Maybe Pastor Funke should be praying for me. Amen. What is a priesthood? In the Old Testament, the priesthood consisted of a specific group of people that are committed to standing before God on behalf of the people and standing before the people on behalf of God. Do you get that? The first high priest in, in the Old Testament, we should know by now, was Aaron, brother of Moses. He was set aside specifically for that purpose and also his children. Let me take that again. Priesthood in the Old Testament consisted of a specific group of men who will stand before God on behalf of the people and who will stand before the people on behalf of God. Now the Bible tells us just from, just from what we read that we are royal priesthood. It is safe to assume or safe to say that the priesthood in the New Testament is the church. The priesthood in the New Testament is the entire church. So as we are all seated here, we are all priests. The Bible tells us that we are priests. We just read the scriptures. Now in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 12, and he himself, as he ascends to heaven, gave gift to men. He gave to some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? The equipping of the saint for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the church. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, TPT says, And as he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, and some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. Verse 12. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the only, is to nurture and prepare all the only believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Now, these are gifts given to us because of the grace of God. They are gifts. They are grace gifts. So every beneficiary of God's grace has a gift. You agree? Because you just read now that grace gift. By the measure of grace, it gave to some prophets, some apostles, some teachers, some pastors, some evangelists. It did not say it is, a, it is an office. Amen. So you are in different spheres of life representing God because you are dealing with people. So you are in banking, you are in uh, IT, you are in the fintech, that's the new money. You are in the oil industry, you are in construction, you are in education, you are in politics, you are in government, you are in systems. Standing before the people 
right on behalf of God. Amen. It is a grace gift. So you do not need an office to express the gift of God in your life. Why? Because you are a priest. You are a priest. So believers are expected to, to serve out of this gift of grace. Which is why it is important for you to ask God, what is your gift over my life? You see, We all have God's calling over our lives. We can operate or function in different capacity. Or some will say, I just feel God is calling me to ministry. If you are thinking so, it's, you are correct. You are first in the ministry of reconciliation. Bringing people from not knowing Christ to the knowledge of Christ. Reconciling them with their father. Okay, you, you agree with me? As you grow, you begin to function in different capacity. Amen. So if you are seated here and you just perceive, oh, I have a calling. Uh, I feel God is calling me to ministry. As, as long as you are born again, as long as you are born again, welcome to ministry. Amen. Now, it's important to know that priests primarily make sacrifices in the Old Testament. That's what they do or that's what they did. They make sacrifices, they kill the bulls, the rams, this and all of that. So also, as a New Testament believer, as a born-again child of God, we are also supposed to make sacrifices. We may not kill bulls because we don't have to kill bulls anymore. Jesus has, has died on the cross. We don't have to bring turtle dove and all of that. But we also have sacrifices to make. The first sacrifice we are to make is the sacrifice of self. Sacrifice of self. Sacrifice of self. Romans chapter 2 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Amen. That's the first sacrifice you will make as a priest. You put, you lay down self at the altar. The sacrifice of your heart. I beseech you, draft for brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, only acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service? 
not first your sacrifice of money, not first your sacrifice of time, but more importantly and primarily the sacrifice of your heart. God looks at your heart. He checks and weighs the intent of the heart. So when your heart is not right, when you have not made a self-sacrifice, no matter what you give to God, he is not going to accept it. God cannot be deceived. You cannot call God, God, with your mouth, and yet your heart is far away from him. As a priest, you must make self-sacrifice. You must lay down your heart at the altar of God. The first sacrifice we offer as New Testament priests is that of ourselves. Because living sacrifice tend to wiggle off the altar, we must continually lay our lives down. It's a daily sacrifice. Sacrifice of prayer. Sacrifice of meditation. Sacrifice of studying the world. Daily sacrifice. It was said of the church in Macedonia. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 to 5. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you that the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Verse, verse 3. For I bear witness, that was Paul speaking, that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, verse 4, employing us with much urgency that we will receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of to, to the saints, verse 5. And not only that, as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They gave themselves first to God before they are given to the apostles. Your heart must be consecrated. So I want you to take a moment to, to take this confession with me. Today, Father, I give my eyes to you. May I look at the people the way you do? Do we look at people the way God actually looks at them? Amen. I give my lips to you. May I speak words that are in harmony with your heart. I give my hands to you. May they reach out in love. I give my feet to you. Please guard and guide my steps. I give my body to you. Lord, as a living sacrifice. The second sacrifice you must make is the sacrifice of your material resources. Philippians chapter 4 verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the, the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, 
a sacrifice acceptable where pleasing to God. You cannot claim to be a priest, right? A lover of God who has ultimately given you his son and not give your resources to him. As, an old Testament, in, in, as in the Old Testament days, when the harem of barbecued bulls and lambs were well pleasing to the Father, the material resources we share is delightful to his senses as well. Why? He knows our tendency to buy things we cannot afford with money we don't have in order to impress people we don't like. The antidote for greed is to give to God. The way we can deal with greed is to give, actually. The way to, to put under us our love for material possession is to give to God. God knows our ability. We go out of our way to buy things that are just, just to because we want to impress people that we think they don't, that they, that we think they don't like us. Therefore, the Lord says, I want you to give, not because I need the money, but because you need to be released from the bondage of materialism. When you give to the Lord, you are not just supporting the ministry, but you are giving away a bit of your selfishness and greediness. Doing so is pleasing in God's sight. You are doing yourself a favor, a big favor. You want God to deliver you from materialism? Give to God. You see, a number of times we have assumed that uh, uh, money is just, money, I mean, money is going to provide all that I need. I have lived to testify to the glory of God that there are a number of things that God had provided for me that I have, did not use my money for. The house we live by the grace of God, we did not pay for it. God provided it. Amen. The antidote for greed is to give. And you must understand that God is the ultimate giver. You cannot outgive God. Can you put your son on the cross? Can you put yourself on the cross? No way. No way. The third sacrifice you must make is the sacrifice of your song. You see, a number of us, when, when you, nobody needs to cajole you to, to sing to worship your God, if he is a, your God, if he is your God indeed. Some of us, we need drums, we need instruments before our body can move. We need a big miracle, something must happen. Before you can sing a song of praise to him. Sometimes you're in church, you are, you are, you are thinking, ah, and the choir, how are they singing today like this now? Their key is not this. But what are you also singing to? Is it about them or about God? 
You know, so, you know, sometimes the car will come to tell me after the seven years, this, this, ah, but the key was wrong. Not, they were not talking to me, maybe they were talking amongst themselves. You know, uh, uh, maybe Sarah, he, he, she got the key wrong. You know, I said, see, it is only you that understand that one. Me, I don't understand key or no key. I am just here to praise God. Nobody noticed that there was flaw. You guys should just go home happily. You see, when you understand God, who he is, you will count it a privilege to sing songs to him. Psalm 34, verse 1 to 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name together. If you choose to leave your hands or bowed or the knees or sing, you are sacrificing your own comfort, your shyness, your image of feeling inadequacy. That is when it is indeed your true worship. When you lay all before the Lord in songs and in worship and in adoration. Saying that irrespective of what it is that I go through, you are still God. Irrespective of what is coming my way. I can sing praise to you because I know that you are a good God. I need you to know that as this is a case of sacrifices of your resources... God does not need to be praised. Why? Because God doesn't need you to, you know, the song we used to sing or the way we believe or the things we've been told is such that when you praise God, his head is, his head is going to swell. Eh? So, when I praise him, you know, the, 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 we have misapplied God inhabits the praise of his people too. You know, when I praise him, he will just come down, his head will just swell, and then if I, whatever I ask him, he's just going to give, give it to me. Newsflash, God is not a man. Whether you praise him or you don't praise him, it will not, it will not, that will not change him from being God. You see, God does not need affirmation. I could feel he doesn't need you to affirm him to be God. He's God still and he's God forever. I may, as human, say, ah, one day, one day, one, one kid. I'm like, ah, sorry for you, Robert. I mean, ah, they didn't praise me well. You know, when you go to party and they're doing, they're just spending money, just spending money. You, you think you can praise God and God will lose his sense. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. So it's a privilege. You're not, God is not going to be angry if you don't praise him. See, if you don't praise me, don't worry. The stones, they will praise me. If you don't praise me, the trees, they will, they are my, I created them. Did you create the tree? Did you create the tree? I beg your pardon. No. Have you watched Niger Joe World before? You see the antelopes just, you know, galloping in the hills. Sometimes we wonder. What is, what, is, what is exciting to them? 
My dad used to, you know, used to have goats and stuff in the house. Suddenly, a, a small kid can just jump and just be doing like this. Are you what? What? what, what? <laughs> God doesn't need affirming. He doesn't suffer low self-esteem. He's not saying, "Am I really the only and anointed one? Am I really sweet than honey, sweeter than honey?" Thanks for reminding me because I was questioning that this morning. No, that's not God. God knows who He is. He knows who He is. He knows He's the create, the one that created the universe. He created all things, everything. The Bible tells us in Colossians, in Him, find. All things finds completion in him. All universal things were created for him, were created by him and for him. We don't sing to God just because we want his head to swell. No. When you sing to God, you are only reminding yourself of his goodness and his greatness. It is yourself that you are helping. Just so you don't forget how good God is. Sing to him. The fourth sacrifice is the sacrifice of your service. Philippians 2 verse 25. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier. But your messenger who minister to my need. Don't be too big for God. If you are a priest, serve the people. That's what your gift is all about. Gift is for the edifying of the saint. It's not for the edifying of self. What has God gifted you with? Serve the people. Serve your community. Serve your nation. Serve, serve the sacrifices of service. Let me read the Passion Translation. But for now, I feel a stirring in my heart to send Epaphroditus back to you immediately. He's a friend to me and a wonderful brother and a fellow soldier who has worked with me as we serve as ministers of the gospel and you sent him as your apostles to minister to me in my need. Philippians 2 verse 30 says, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Now speaking of Epaphroditus. service. In 2 Kings chapter 3, there was a story. The nation of Judah and Israel had allied with the nation of Edom for one reason, to engage the king of, of Moab. That had besieged, besieged them. And so as they marched across the desert, the blistering sun and all of that, they needed water for their cattle. They needed water for the, for the army. They were thirsty. 
And so someone says, there is a prophet, Elisha. Go call him. Let's see what the Lord can do. And so he came, he asked them to dig, to excavate ditches. And of course he prayed by the morning. He says, you will not hear the sound of the rain, but yet the valley will be filled. And true to his word, the valley was filled with water by the following day or the following morning. So they had, you know, water for the, uh, for the army, for the animals. They drank their fuel. But more importantly was that as the sun rises, the enemies that were on the other side saw the water as blood. And so they thought to themselves, these three kings that had, you know, formed alliance against us, they've all killed themselves. So they laid down their guards and they went to their camp with the intention to take the spoil of war, thinking they were all dead. They didn't have arms with them. If they were wise, they should have sent a spy. <laughs> but, you know, God is good. So when they got to the camp, of course, they were ready for them. So they killed them, they chased them. And when they got to Moab. The king of Moab knew that the only way is to do something that is unimaginable. That was the only way he could save his people. And so he honked his own son for, the, uh, for Judah, for the uh, Edomites, and the other king to see. And so they could not pursue them anymore. They had to leave because he had made such a greater sacrifice that they could not bear the sight of someone that was going to be king after his father being sacrificed for the whole world to see in humiliation and in pain. Let me read this. Sacrificed his son in humiliation and, and so hung for all to see I'm sure you understand this analogy. I'm sure you understand it. For someone to, to, to put his son on the cross. We're about to be wiped out because of our sin. Yet the father stepped in and sacrificed his son. Hanging him on a tree in humiliation, pain, and suffering to die for you and me. The enemy was about to chase us down and damn us eternally. Can no longer fight against such sacrifices. When Jesus was hung on the tree, the enemy had no choice. Satan had no choice but to surrender. He could no longer fight our dominion. He could no longer fight our power. He could no longer deny the fact that we are one that the Lord loved and he has chosen us. He had unpicked us. He could no longer deny the fact that we are his priest. We are his lover. Sacrifices release power. Great sacrifice releases great power. The greatest sacrifice ever offered was when God gave his son. The greatest power ever released is that which secured our salvation. 
In conclusion, the call to priesthood is not a joke. As a priest, Let me take that again. In conclusion, the call to priesthood is not a joke, brethren. As a priest, you can't offer an unholy sacrifice to God. I need you to take an example from the two sons of Aaron. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10 verse 1 to 2. They offered a profane fire to the Lord and they were consumed by the fire that came out from the altar of God. We must know that there are specifics that we must follow. There are details and instructions as priests of God that we must abide with. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 tells us, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God. Be his sacred, his sacred, living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2 Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating. The ideals and opinions of the culture around you. The fashion industry. We want to tell us how we should dress. But what is the Bible saying to you? We have so many, so many things right now. That are considered to be ideal. That this is, not, this is how we now, or this is how we should now live. This is how we should now dress.
Things in the past, things you don't see, wishes and dreams that are yet to come true. All of my hopes and all of my plans, my heart and my hands are lifted to you. prayer to you this morning that a call to priesthood comes with responsibilities of sacrifices sacrifices of self sacrifices of our songs to you sacrifices of our resources and sacrifices of our service to you and to you alone Help us, Lord, that when you look into our lives, our life should please you. Help us not to offer unto you profane sacrifices that is littered with unholiness. Our lives, our hearts, our hands, our mouth. Let them do things that pleases you in the name of Jesus. Let our lives be worthy to you. Let the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary, the ultimate and the greatest sacrifices ever made, not be a waste of our lives in the name of Jesus. We know you have called us. We know, we know that you have called us to holiness. We cannot do this by ourselves. We also know that you have given us your Holy Spirit. Let your Spirit continually guide us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, glorious Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let your living so shout hallelujah. Hallelujah.